This is Eat, You'll Feel Better, a podcast about the food mood connection. I'm your host, food journalist, Mary Beth Albright. If you're a regular listener, you know that one of the pillars of our work when it comes to the food mood connection is this, that flavor is created in the brain. And what you taste on your tongue, that that taste that is inherent in food and is measurable by, you know, say how much salt there is in something or how much sugar there is in something, that measurable inherent taste of food does not result in people experiencing the flavor of food in the same way. So you can have two people eating the exact same food and other than the taste, right? Other than the thing that happens immediately on our tongue, there's so much that goes into creating flavor, some of which we know about and a lot of which we don't, right? There's a lot we don't know about the way that the human brain works. But we do know that flavor is created in the brain. How we experience a food, how pleasurable we find it, that kind of thing. And that and that the pleasure that we get from food uses the same brain circuitry as other pleasures, such as sex, such as looking at art, that kind of thing. And so whether you like something, whether you find it pleasurable, and how much of it you're satisfied with is a really complex web of factors. I mean, I think we we know that with all of our pleasures, right? Um, it's about memories. It's about culture. It's about um, the how your body works. And one of the things that we're going to talk about today is that it's it's about in part the pattern and size of the bumps on your tongue. Consider the tongue, I guess, is what we should call this episode. Um, because those bumps are called papillae, and they give your brain critical sensory information, like flavor, because a lot of those papillae contain taste buds. And those little bumps also regulate temperature, regulate lubrication in your mouth, and all of these things have to do with how flavor is created in your brain. And there is evidence, it was a study that was just published in December using machine learning and artificial intelligence that's just starting to come into the scientific community um, in the past couple decades, that each tongue is unique, that our tongue prints are just like our fingerprints that no two tongues are the same, not just in shape and size, but in the way that the papillae are laid out on the tongue, how the, how the bumps are laid out on our tongue, sort of the, the geography of our tongues. And researchers are trying to figure out how many characteristics of a person can be identified just by looking at their tongue print like age and gender. There's one study that showed a statistically significant difference when researchers predicted age and gender just by examining a person's tongue print. Um, We don't know what those patterns mean. We don't know everything about them. Um, But the question is, what does this have to do with how we eat 
and with flavor being created in the brain. Because some of those papillae have taste buds and some don't. I, I mentioned that. But to be more specific, some of those little bumps have no taste buds in them at all. And some of them have hundreds. So the bumps on your tongue might look the same, but they're all very, very different from each other. And we all have different placements of these bumps and what they taste and where they taste. And because our tongue prints are unique, the layout of your taste buds likely determine also how you chew your food. And, you know, sometimes you're at the dentist and they're like, oh, you're chewing a lot on this side. It's it's not something that you notice. Um, it's just something that because we're always, as humans, trying to get the most flavor out of whatever is in our mouth, if we like it, of course, um, that, we're, that we're pulling it to different sides where we can taste different things. Um, so I'm talking about all of this because your tongue print and those little bumps help determine how you chew and how much flavor you get out of food and how satisfied you are with a specific amount of food. Because we know that those little bumps change our feelings of hunger and satiety and food preferences because those papillae influence friction and lubrication in our mouths. So for example, preference for chocolate, it has been shown can be driven by how much mouth lubrication you have. Um, it's really interesting stuff about how the, the intertwining of our biology with whatever is happening in our memories, with whatever's happening between our neurons and our brain combine to create food preferences. Um, and this is just the science that we know about, right? There are a million things that haven't been researched yet about, about food preferences. But there are other studies showing that how you eat, how you process that food in your mouth can determine what you eat. And your tongue influences how you eat, how you process that in your mouth. And according to some tongue researchers... <laughs> Okay, tongue researchers sounds a pick like a pickup line at a bar, but that's a different podcast. But there really are tongue researchers, and some tongue researchers recently found out that people process food according to four categories. Okay, so these four categories, and you can think about it as I'm talking about them. What kind of a food processor are you? The first one is chewers. The second one is crunchers. The third one is suckers. And the fourth one is smushers. That's S-M-O-O-S-H-E-R-S. -E um, and chewers and crunchers both use their teeth to break down food. Chewers do it more slowly and crunchers are more forceful. It's the same mouth motion. It's just a different intensity that distinguishes chewers from crunchers. And suckers and smushers manipulate food between their tongue and the roof of their mouths. Um, and smushers just end there. They just manipulate the food between the tongue and the mouth. And while well, suckers then suck the flavor out of the food in addition to smushing the food. 
it's really fascinating stuff. Um, and a t- study at Texas A&M recently, just I think it was uh, last December, found that 45% of Americans are chewers. Uh, so almost all of us are chewers. But then the second is crunchers, and then smushers, and then suckers. Um, but their research... The research that they did this around was particularly around meat substitutes, that people who say that they don't like meat substitutes, you know, um, quote unquote, fake meat, right? Things that, that are sold in the grocery store that are created by food companies to um, have some similarity with meat um, for people who are choosing not to eat meat for whatever reason. So people who say that they don't like meat substitutes usually say that it has something to do with the texture, that the substitute, the meat substitute just doesn't have the same texture as meat. Um, it, generally, the flavor is good across the board, but it's the texture that it, that is that people really get, get stuck in their craw. Um, and of course, how much we experience texture depends in part on our tongue print, on that individual tongue print that also influences how we chew. So you can see all these things are entwined, the texture, the chewing, the tongue print. And these studies together are a great example of how things that we never think about, like how bumpy our tongues are, can significantly influence something that we actually think a lot about, like food, like our preferences, like how much we eat, how little we eat. Um, how we choose what we eat in any specific moment. And we might not think about it, about you know the things about our bumpy tongues, but the companies who develop food products think a lot about it, a lot. Because food pleasure is powerful. The same brain circuitry as sex, remember. And it's that subconscious preference And it's these subconscious preferences that often determine what we find preferable in food and why flavor is created in the brain. And that sometimes we might be sitting around thinking, gosh, I really want, I really want this, you know, I really want this to eat. And why is that complex web of factors? But your bumpy tongue is likely one of them. And one reason why we might develop some ways that we eat specific foods that seem like almost ritualistic, it actually may help us enjoy the flavor better. Um, there may be something like twisting a sandwich cookie apart, right? Like a like a chocolate cookie with vanilla filling. Um, that if you, there are lots of different ways that different people will eat that one cookie. Um, it might be twisting it apart and eating them separately. It might be putting it in milk. It might be, you know, eating, eating the vanilla part before the chocolate. Whatever it is, there are ways that people almost ritualistically will eat that particular food product that, that might go back to childhood, right? Um, it might be sectioning off a candy bar into little pieces before eating it. Or it might be saying, to hell with the sections. I'm just going to bite into the whole candy bar. Um, Just ignore the sections and dive right in. There are different ways that we eat food. Um, And we know that these rituals 
affect people's enjoyment of food beyond just, oh, I like to eat the cookies separate from the filling or whatever. In fact, one study showed that when people perform the ritual themselves, the food ritual, whether that's twisting a cookie or whatever, they enjoyed their food more than if they watched someone else perform the ritual and then they ate the food. So there's something about performing the ritual that heightens the pleasure of it. So it's more than just about the preference of eating cookie separate from filling. It's part of it, sure, but that's not the whole story. Um, and talking about this stuff sometimes make me feel as if I'm trying to teach myself to breathe. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm eating all throughout the day. I, and, I, you know, I, I can't stop in the middle of my day and think about my tongue and the existential questions of why I like what I like, right? But this is all information. Um, it's information that food companies have and they use to create what they think people will love. So I think it's good for us to have this information too. Um, because it's all just information. There's nothing to be afraid of and it's our bodies. And I think that it's something that we really need to know about, even if we don't understand it so that the things that we think a lot about, food choices for some of us, um, are not just left to the subconscious and who, to whoever is creating a food product for us. So in the interest of having one small thing that you can do this week to put this science into action, and I'm doing it this week too, is eat something in a different way than you usually do. And just see how it affects what you taste or how satisfied you are with what you eat. It's not eating anything, eating a different kind of food. It's just eating the same food that you're going to eat anyway in a slightly different way. So, for example, I would say if you're going to eat ice cream, try it with a smaller spoon or a bigger spoon or, oh my gosh, with a fork. Not to ruin your, your experiment, but I have to say it. I cannot stand ice cream with a fork. It ruins the entire experience. Like, cause usually when you have a spoon, it's all like smooth and creamy all the way around. But then like having the tines of a fork in the middle of that, no bueno. Um, but try it and see, maybe you like it for whatever reason. Um, every, this is the point. Everybody's tongue is different. Everyone's brain is different. Um, or a banana. Um, it, 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 you could you could peel the entire banana first rather than peeling it as you go and just sort of put it on a plate and eat it that way. Did that, you know, influence how much you enjoy the banana or how quickly you ate it? Or or if you usually bite straight into an apple, just slice it up first. And if you usually slice up an apple, bite into it first. None of these ways of eating are any better than the others. This is the most important thing. I'm not going to tell you the way that you need to eat is this. It's better to bite into an apple than to slice it. I'm not telling you any of this. And, and that's just not true because we teach ourselves how to eat every single day. So leaning into the experimentation aspect of eating for emotional well-being is a big part of what we do on Eat You'll Feel Better, experimenting to get the information. Because experimentation is how we learn about ourselves. Maybe it will be life-changing for you. Maybe no noticeable difference at all. It's just information and you can decide what to do with it. But it is information 
that science has about our bodies. And I find it really power, powerful and empowering to know about it. I'm Mary Beth Albright. And until next week, remember, choosing what to eat is always a privilege. Bye for now. <laughs>